podcast, where we share our love of the holidays with you year-round. This is Beth, and I'm going to be talking about part two of Apple Cider. This is Sydney, and I will be talking about trendy coffee shops. And this is Randy, and I will be talking about corn mazes. Cole is off on an adventure today, so um, he may be joining us later. We will see how that goes. But as always, we begin our podcast with our holiday happenings for the week. So what holiday happenings do we have for this week? Well, I have one that's interesting to me. I noticed that when you came home with your iced tea from Starbucks, it had a different cap on it. That's true. It had a like a sippy cup cap on it. <laughs> well, right. It's like a like they have with coffee. Yeah. Yeah, the coffee tops. But uh, but it's not a screw on lid. So no. I am very skeptical about how well that's going to hold up. We we shall see. We I haven't shall. built any yet. Yes. Uh, also of note, this past week, we went ahead and put our summer decorations away and got out most of our fall decorations and put we them out. We still have a little more to go. But yeah, yeah, we still have a little more to go. The thought being that, fun for us, Beth and I are going to Disney tomorrow with the Andersons yep. for the week in Orlando in general. Yeah, bummer for me and Cole <laughs> who aren't going. And we won't be back till Saturday of the following weekend. The weekend after that is Labor Day, so we thought we'd just go ahead and get a head start on the fall decorations plus. Right. And plus, we love fall decorations. We do. Yeah. And it's inspiring. You go into Hobby Lobby. You go into Michael's. And it's like, oh, fall. I love fall. The only place that isn't inspiring yet is Target. Surprisingly. Yeah. They still have not put theirs out yet. But we're not the only ones that have gone ahead and put their fall decorations out. In fact, their Halloween decorations out. Yeah, that's a little early for me. Who is it? Disney. Disney, that's right. Lots oh, not of, too early for Disney, though. No. Uh, in fact, I think their Halloween parties started last night, Ooh, their first one, because I've fun. seen some pictures. But um, they already put out their Halloween decorations. They've got their Halloween parties starting. That is a little early for me from a uh, heat perspective right, to enjoy. Yeah, right. But we'll be going down to that Halloween party in the fall. Yes. That's very fun. That but we fun. have been checking out the Halloween merchandise, the special fall and Halloween That's treats. Right. Yep. That's right. And um, the Haunted Mansion is celebrating its 50th anniversary in Disneyland. And therefore, everywhere has <laughs> Haunted Mansion merchandise and Haunted Mansion themed food. So we've been checking all that out as well. Right. And that looks super fun. Haunted Mansion, referring back to our Disney trip via podcast last time. Yes, last year. Last year, Dad mentioned, I believe, that the Haunted Mansion was his favorite ride. Right. I I probably definitely did. Yes. <laughs> I'm just assuming because anytime Disney is brought up. Yeah, that was And podcast, especially the Haunted Mansion. That yeah. was our fourth podcast, Podcast 1.4. That's crazy. Yes. Wow. That was a long time ago. It yeah. was. All right, so we will begin our topics for this week with Beth and her second discussion of apple cider. During the last podcast, I talked about the history of apple cider. And that was podcast... 2.34. 2.34, yes. During the last podcast, I talked about the history of cider. And the history of cider, interestingly, was a fermented cider. It was a hard cider. Not the fresh 
sweet cider that we have today that you can just pick up in the grocery store or at your local apple orchard. Right. right? The family-friendly variety we're used to. Right. right. Exactly. But I have some interesting facts, and I'm going to go ahead and start with a couple of interesting facts for the hard cider before moving on to the soft cider. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they call it soft cider, but that's okay. For American colonists, hard cider was more than just a safe alternative to water, a safe, clean alternative to water. It was also part of the colonial economy, since currency was often hard to come by. So there was plenty of hard cider to go around. So in the absence of money, hard cider became as good as cash. Colonists would pay their bills with barrels of hard cider and work out barter arrangements centered on hard cider. Cider and Applejack, which is hard cider that has been further fortified through freeze distillation, which just is interesting to me. Really? American colonists could do that? That's alliteration. Further fortified through freezing. Yeah, you fall short on the distillation, but yeah. (laughs) So they were supposedly even used to pay construction crews that built some of the country's first roads. Hmm. Right. So I didn't have any idea that was occurring with the hard cider, so that was interesting. And this was a funny little tidbit. Hard cider was served at the Battle of Concord. Okay. (laughs) So it's one of the first showdowns in the Revolutionary War. Both British troops and American revolutionaries engaged. It said, but that didn't mean either side had to skip its daily mug of hard cider. <laughs> As the fighting fell, and this is, this is from mentalfloss.com. It says, As the fighting fell into a lull, the sides dropped back into a standoff, and local crazy man Elias Brown saw a business opportunity. Brown strode through both sides' lines selling hard cider. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he was crazy man before he did that or because right, he did that. Right, right. Or if they turned him crazy man <laughs> yes, after, after he did that. Yeah. And it really was crazy. All right. So in America, we call the non-fermented apple cider, apple cider, and fermented apple cider, hard cider. So we have apple cider and hard cider. Now, across the rest of the world, cider is hard cider. Oh. So that's, yeah. It's all, it's, if you say apple cider... In other parts of the world, it is assumed that that is a hard cider that you're I'll talking get a about. Shock. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned right. that last week. Right, yeah. Yeah. So that was that's something good to remember. Um, some interesting facts about just cider in general. The best cider apples seem to have the best names. Hang Down, Chibbles Wilding, Kentfish Fill Basket, Glory of the West. Isn't that funny? So these are varieties of apples that are used for cider baking. Right. Gotcha. Just so really funny. Neat. It is funny. Yeah. yeah. I've never heard of any of them. Have you? No. No. Me neither. I mean, I've heard of Red Delicious, Gala, Macintosh, you yeah. know, the classics. The classic that you would put in a pie. Right. Not Hang Down, Chibbles Wilding, Kentish Field Basket. Well, now we know <laughs> what kind of apples to look for in the apple orchard. That's right. If we go to apple orchards that have unique apples, we'll have to say... Pardon me, where are your hang-down apples? <laughs> oh, you don't have any? How about your chibble, chibbles wilding? Any of those? <laughs> so if you want to make great cider, be sure to practice your wassailing. Oh, of course. Yes. Where do you think this came from? England. England. That's exactly right. Here we go. Wassailing among the leaves of green. 
So this is an English custom that was used to appease the deities of the apple trees. It was believed necessary to ensure a healthy crop. Here's how to honor the spirits. Place a jug of cider or piece of cider-soaked toast on the biggest apple tree. Then sing a chant or song. Finish by banging on kettles and blowing horns to scare away any evil spirits lingering in your orchard. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> Again, with the evil spirits hanging around. I know. Isn't that yeah. funny? Yeah. I thought about that. Yeah. I'm getting scared by loud noises. Yeah. They yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. They're very timid. They're very much like our cat, Ember. Yes. <laughs> a loud noise and they're out. <laughs> they are yeah. totally out. So if you are a loud person, you are so safe. Yeah. Yes. You I can thought maybe around. this tradition had been set up by that crazy guy. Who crazy lived, Elias? Yeah, crazy. Because <laughs> he was just looking for some cider in the trees. <laughs> okay, this is what you do. <laughs> another another opportunity yeah. to yeah. sell cider to people. You will need lots of apples to make apple cider. It takes about 36 pieces of fruit to make one gallon of apple cider. When Caesar and his invading soldiers stormed through England in 55 BC, they found Celts sipping a brew made from crab apples. The troops were quick to pick up the habit and take it back to Rome. There you go. Isn't that funny? So England and this wassailing is happening all over the place. Yeah. Other fruits can be used to make cider-like drinks too. Perry, P-E-R-R-Y, comes from fermented pear juice. Cicer, C-Y-S-E-R, is cider fermented with honey. And I thought, I don't, I don't drink fermented cider, but I thought that might be, that might be an interesting taste if I like the. You know, honey's good. Yeah. Kind of maybe a little sweeter. Yeah. Take something off the edge there. Yeah. And the and plum jerkum. Hmm. That is made from plums. <laughs> <laughs> Supposedly, it has some strange intoxicating effects. Ah. According to the legend, it leaves the head clear while paralyzing the legs. That wow. is just scary to me. That Who... Is- Who's drinking, what is it called, pear? Plum. Plum jerkin. Who's who's drinking that? <laughs> it sounds like they're getting high off something. But they can't move. Yeah. So that was some interesting, fun looks at apple cider. I hope you learned some things, had some fun, and go out and get yourself some good American cider. I won't encourage you to drink the fermented hard apple cider, but I will encourage you to go to your local apple orchard, pick some apples, pick up a gallon of apple cider. I still haven't seen cider in the stores yet. Have you? I haven't yet. No. Mid mid August might be a little early still. Right, and yeah. yeah, and apples aren't ripe anyway till fall also, and it's not fall yet. So yeah, yeah. so you have to wait. I guess wait a little bit and then go to your apple orchard. It's so much fun though. I don't know why apples taste so much better when you pick them off of the tree. They do. They are so good. They do. Yes. Absolutely. And they're perfect for apple pies. They are. And we we pick a lot of them. <laughs> it's just funny. It's like there's only four of us. How many do we think we're going to eat? But we do. It's because yeah. it's fun to pick. It is so fun. And they're so good. Yeah. <laughs> and if you all have ever tasted plum Jurgen, Jerkum? Jerkum. Uh, please let us know how you felt. I know! Was the head clear and the legs paralyzed? I, I Was it know. the other way around? Please drink as you are laying on your bed. Drink, <laughs> right. That's right. Drink responsibly. That's right. Drink responsibly. <laughs> well, speaking of fun drinks in the fall, 
Here are some trendy coffee shops that you can visit in the U.S. Now in the fall, it may be tempting and very fun to go out with either your significant other, with some friends, or yourself. Dress up in your fun or cute fall outfit and go out and take pictures at a local coffee shop in the fall for your Instagram or Facebook or wherever else, whatever other app that you use. Here are some rather unique ones. Not Starbucks, I'm guessing. No, not Starbucks. So I didn't add Starbucks to this list. Even though we love Starbucks. um, Starbucks is near and dear to my heart. but (laughs) And mine. (laughs) And dad's, as we both have Starbucks drinks on this table right now. (laughs) (laughs) But I chose these trendy local coffee shops to their states. Okay, interesting. For a unique sort of vibe. So if you think about like fall cute little town mm-hmm. opportunities to run into uh, somebody in like a hallmarky kind of <laughs> spill your coffee have a future together way that's kind of what i'm picturing for a trendy coffee shop yeah oh yeah okay yeah, yeah good now, almost like hallmark could like kind of shoot some things in, in okay. these coffee, coffee shops very yeah. fun so there is the resurrect art in seaward alaska it is in a former church so this far north state may be dominated by drive through espresso stands, but a former church turned Java joint makes for a cozy spot in this coastal town and also an example of creative redesign, like the former choir loft that's now a seating area. So I have a picture of the outside, and it is literally a church. It is really cute. It's a, yes. Is that a wood? It's a wood church? Looks like it. Looks like yeah. a very old-fashioned wood it does. church. Yeah. Oh, very fun. Yes. So that is set in a cute little town. The next one that I have is the Onyx Coffee Lab in Bentonville, Arkansas. So I chose this one one for the interior design, but partly because we have a cat named Onyx, and I thought the name I thought itself was interesting <laughs> yeah. too. We have a niece that lives in Arkansas. That's right. So I wonder if she's ever gone. Brookie, have you ever gone to? What is it? The Onyx Cafe Lab. And if you have, let us know. Let us know. Yeah. So across the street from the 21C Museum Hotel, Onyx Coffee Lab popped up with white vintage hexagonal tiles at the Open Concept Coffee Bar, a camel-colored tufted leather sofa and coffee <laughs> tables born out of fallen tree stumps. If you look at the ceiling, it looks like um, redesigned. Interesting wood. It's a very unique. It is setup. a unique look. It's hard to even describe. You, yeah. Somebody wants to Google it to look at pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Very fun though. Yeah. So that yeah. would be very good for a unique setup for pictures, especially if you like um, taking pictures of you know ceilings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting ceiling. Yes. There's a horizon line coffee in Des Moines, Iowa. It has barn-like doors, potted ferns, and white brick walls with mid-century modern seating, including white modeled fiberglass chairs and white metal stools. It offers a clean, crisp look. That's very interesting. Yeah, so this is, so I feel like the barn look is in right now. Yeah. yeah. But know, they did something different with it. They I mean, did. That, having the... It's mixed with like a modern feel. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Definitely. So it does look like a clean finish on the inside with the old but still modern. Yeah. Yes. 
There, oh, I like this one. There's the Snowy Owl Coffee Roasters in Brewster, Massachusetts. So this is a very rustic looking place, but still has that sort of modern feel, modern barn feel. It has Persian rugs, warm reds, and it feels like a friend's getaway cabin. Oh my goodness, that is so cool. Isn't it? Yeah. It is so cute. Honestly, this would also be good like in the winter. Yeah. To have pictures of it. Yeah. Were you in it with the snow falling? Yep. Especially in Massachusetts. Yep. Yeah, you know. that's really cool. Yeah. Another one is the La Strada Dolce e Cafe. I'm probably saying this totally wrong, but it's in Birmingham, Michigan. The color of the walls are tomato soup. Like a tomato soup color. <laughs> it has travel-inspired framed posters along with black and white photos and framed with oil landscapes. The floors, again, have um, Persian rugs. And it's a very, like, I guess modern, artsy-feely It is, yeah. vibe. Yeah. That would be really fun for pictures and for visiting and just having a nice little yeah. outing. Yeah. It's fun. It's yeah. hard when you say tomato soup walls. At first, it's like, what? what? Yeah. But it's really neat. Yes. They did a great job. It's a very, it's from this picture. It's striking, but it's, it is. it's not it's overwhelming. Not yes, exactly. Let's see. There's Steampunk Coffee Roasters in Natchez, Mississippi. Again, I'm probably yeah. saying this wrong. But basically, it has a steampunk interior, exposed brick walls, and metal here and there. <laughs> So the seats look pretty cool. It, it sure have does. Exposed, yeah. Um, brick walls. So if you're nearby and have never gone, yeah, yeah, go that's fun. Go. I like that one. Yeah, hop in, see how it goes. Another one is which I thought was very modern is the Nomad Coffee in Essex, Vermont. Going off of the trend of the tiny house. Oh. Everyone knows That's of the so tiny funny. house, right? Yeah. So it is crafted <laughs> from barn wood and antique metal with pretty sky blue paint trim. And it is in a tiny house. It fits right into the tiny house trend given it's 1971 go tag along traveler trailer shell so basically it is in a tiny little house and you can see someone sipping coffee next to it it looks like a yes stand it, it looks like a one of the like um ice cream kiosk yes like oh, the yeah. outdoor ice yeah. cream kiosk kind yeah. of thing okay. kind of like stools and and other areas yeah. to sit outside but you order your your coffee right. they bring it to you mm-hmm. and then you go sit down and yes. yeah so good for vermont when it's a little chillier outside but yeah. not when it's snowing yes and the last one that i'm going to talk about is the compass coffee in washington dc oh so this is from foodnetwork.com and the other the other coffee shops I got from architecturaldigest.com. But this particular coffee shop, the Compass Coffee, is run by people who fought to protect their nation. It was started by a pair of former Marines who bonded over late night coffees while deployed in Afghanistan. They did most of their fabrication at their Shaw neighborhood shop by hand, including the woodworking and welding. The coffee is also a DIY affair, roasted to match a flavor matrix they've devised to help customers find their favorite blend. The 80 seats and free Wi-Fi mean there's plenty of room to hang out, and campers are further encouraged to stay a while by sandwiches and salads from local food incubator Union Kitchen. Wow, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, 
So plenty of coffee shops out there to enjoy with you, your friends, your significant other on a crisp, cool fall day with your cute or fun fall outfits. <laughs> Make sure to have your cameras ready and your phone charged. And wear something that could be spilled on in case you want to go the Hallmark route of <laughs> right. trying to find your significant other in a Hallmark's or kind of a, setting. Or if they just happen to bump into you. Yeah, that's with right. their coffee. Yeah. Right. Hopefully it's ice. What is it? Ice chai. What do you get? Ice chai tea latte. Chai, yeah. That's a chai tea lattes. So it's not something that's hot. Well, that's true, but it can stain. It has a brown stain. So maybe yeah. water. Water. Yeah. <laughs> it came in that day just for some water. Very right. considerate <laughs> yeah. of them. Yes. Well, thank you, Sydney, for sharing that. Um, I will talk about my topic, fun mm-hmm. topic for the fall, which is corn mazes. So when you think of corn mazes, what comes to mind for you two? I think of that fun place that we went to pick pumpkins and in Berryville yes yes I forget the name the great no you're thinking of Bluemont yeah Bluemont the great, great country farm. that's right great, great country farms. farms yes I yeah. think of that's right great, I'm sorry Bluemont I think of great country farms and their fun corn maze they also mm-hmm. had bamboo maze when they I guess did. they didn't much have the shorter maze, maze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah much much shorter maze but they had actually combined clues with their corn maze. Yeah, that's so right. That was fun. Yeah. Very important part of corn mazes. What do you think of Beth? I actually think of when you used to be a youth leader and every fall you and the other youth leaders would take the youth to a corn maze somewhere. And I just always thought it was funny when you came back and had all these funny stories about oh, the youth yeah. and their perspective on things. Yeah, and, and the youth were horrible at yeah. corn mazes. <laughs> they were absolutely horrible at actually they tried to accomplish yeah. it, but they just, you know, couldn't accomplish them well, for anything. And the, the attention span. Yes, right? the attention span was short. <laughs> Fortunately, a lot of places that have corn mazes also have other activities. So mm-hmm. you don't have to only right. do the corn maze. Right. Like cornhole and other games. That's right. So obviously a corn maze is a large field that's got fully grown stalks of corn. So you figure eight foot stalks of corn, seven, eight foot tall so you can't see over them mm-hmm. uh, for the most part this is true and then they have a maze set up usually in a pattern shape that you have to you know kind of successfully navigate through now the interesting thing about corn mazes versus other mazes is that they typically not only have a pattern so if you look at it like from a droid or something <laughs> uh, if you fly up and you see it it's got a large pattern to it mm-hmm. right so that's one piece of it and they also usually have a puzzle associated with it. So that wasn't just the maze we went to. Typically, oh. corn mazes um, have some sort of puzzle associated with it. So corn mazes are ways for farms to generate tourist income in the fall time frame, often associated with other activities as well. We go to great country farms because they have a lot of fall things they have like apple donuts that they make right there yep. they have like a walkway through the woods that has like little kids stuff to do but animals as well mm-hmm. they have pig um pig races <laughs> um they have the tractor rides they have apple picking pumpkin, pumpkin picking yep. in fact you have to get on a tractor to get to yeah. either the pumpkin patch or the apple orchard yeah right. and their tractor rides are like a tractor train ride it's yes, like a it multiple <laughs> trailers on it yeah. like and big trailers huge. yes in fact some have canopies on yes them. Yeah, yeah they're pretty sweet yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're pretty nice 
Uh, so some mazes are created to tell a story or to portray a theme. Um, some are inspired by books or movies or time periods. But most mazes, you have to go through that whole pattern to make it through the maze. And then there's like little side mazes, side pieces that veer you off. But usually the pattern is actually the, what you want to do along the way. So obviously mazes and labyrinths come from um, a long history. In fact, over 4,000 years ago, we could see signs of mazes in complex structures in Greece and Rome. Mm. During the Roman times, you can see artwork and home flooring, pavement on the streets that were shaped in the shape of mazes. Later in history, mazes were found in artwork and architecture in French cathedrals, Scandinavian labyrinths, and even in gardens in Europe. And in fact, garden mazes began to pop up throughout Europe in the wealthiest castles and palaces as a way to amuse themselves and their guests. By the 18th century, hedge mazes became very popular in England and Europe. And those are the mazes basically made out of the shrubs that are kind of boxy, mm -hmm. the green boxy shrubs um, um, that we often see on different shows and things like that. Uh, but it actually took some time before the concept came to America in the form of a corn maze. So how far back do you think corn mazes go in America? Since the American Revolution. Okay. Yeah. Mid 1700s. The history of corn the history of corn mazes in the United States goes all the way back to 1993. 1993? Yes, that's right. Good grief. That recently? <laughs> that recently. So Don France and Adrian Fisher worked together to design and build the very first corn maze in the United States at Lebanon Valley College in East Central Pennsylvania. It was only three acres and it had a 1.92 miles of path. It was officially certified at the time as the world's largest corn maze, but since then, lots of others have surpassed that record. Was it also summarized to be the only corn maze? <laughs> it may have been. It was titled the Amazing Maze Maze. See the pun there? Maze. Uh -huh. Maze is corn. Corn, yes. The Amazing Maze Maze. <laughs> wow. And it was shaped in the form of Cornelius the Cabasaurus, like corn in the cob. Oh, it was a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> They were quite creative. They were. I wonder what made them think, think of to that? do it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. How is a corn maze made? So what they do is in the spring, corn is planted in a field in a grid-shaped pattern. Okay. So basically, if you think of it like a grid piece of paper, mm -hmm. they want the corn to be uh, lined up all in line and in perpendicular to each other. So it's easy okay. to um, kind of Make mow it pattern. down mm -hmm. once they figure out their design. So you also have to have the correct type of corn because you want the really strong stalks that must be high enough for the maize to work. You have to watch out for stalk rot, which is one of the more common diseases of corn stalks. Usually corn planting for mazes specifically takes place later than corn that you plant for grain. Oh. So um, you actually want to wait till mid to late May in the northern hemisphere or mid to late November in the Southern Hemisphere to plant the corn. So when the corn is about six feet tall, so not quite fully grown, that's when you want to mow the pattern into the maze. Hmm. So when cutting the walkways, you must make sure to cut off the internal growing point of the stalk to avoid regrowth on the edges. Oh. So, and then they actually use weed killer 
um, along the walkways because corn is regrows pretty quickly. So you want to make sure that you cut the, the sides of the stalks that are facing the walkways and then put weed killer down in the middle. Wow. So I'm sure that people have figured out ways to do natural weed killers, but if you, if you don't do it, you're going to have a problem later in the summer. So I thought it was interesting to think about these guys with graph paper figuring <laughs> out their pattern, right? Yeah. So um, in the beginning, when they were uh, setting up these mazes, it was it was very complex. It about, took about two weeks of work to set up the, the picture that you want, and then to you draw it out on graph paper. Then you go out and you mark the pathways, the walls, and the dead ends, and you put these flags across um, the fields. So, you know, eight or nine acres of all these little flags you'd end up with to mark, mark off the grid, matching what was on the paper. And then... When, at the right time, when the stalks are about six feet tall, then you would cut down the, the stalks in sections to make sure that it was matching the pattern and getting ready for the fall. So that was about a two-week process. But now, not shockingly, there are some high-tech tools to do this. It's so funny. So one person involved in this said they can actually turn a maze design into a real-world corn grid in a day. Wow. Wow. That's there are different. several of these businesses that you can buy into where they will um, help you with the design. They have maze designers wow. for corn mazes and doing the, um, the cutting and the completion of the maze itself. So you basically can come up with pretty much any idea. Like they were listing Arabian Nights, the Wild West, medieval times. Just like if you look online for interesting corn maze pictures, those really complex. They have like words in them um really detailed like the um the detail of the turns within the maze are you know it's all very complex my guess is that the the more acreage you have the more flexibility with your design yeah Mm -hmm. these ones that they can do now obviously are very large acreage because they have this technology in fact they the workers have these tractor pulled rotor tillers with high precision gps systems to quickly carve the paths out That's and crazy. to do it accurately. Wow. Right? So that you design on your computer and that computer then connects to that high tech, high precision system. So cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So just a few years ago, there were already hundreds of these consultant designed corn mazes across the country. And these these corn maze businesses just started popping up like crazy. So like we mentioned before, a lot of farms have other experiences along with the corn maze to kind of fill out the experience. But mazes have, corn mazes have really become a staple of a lot of these um, organizations to set aside you know, some amount of acreage and then um, use one of these designers uh, or these companies that do consulting and, and then implement the mazes for you. So typically a maze costs using one of these companies, between $2,500 and $6,000. And I didn't think that was that expensive, actually. Right, to have them do all that stuff. Right. Yeah, it was pretty, it seemed like it was a pretty good investment. Right, yeah, and I imagine, depending on how you you price your tickets, right, you'll probably easily, like, get your money back. Yeah, yeah, that's right, right. You like have the to return think about on that. investment, right. yeah. Now, some of the mazes have gotten really sophisticated on the planting side with the planting equipment so that the mazes I talked about were planted, grown, and then cut down to the shape. Well, now they're actually planting the mazes in the shape they want. In the shape they want oh, and letting them grow that. up and maintain them that way. So that was yeah. interesting to find 
again, using GPS coordinates on the field and using the planting technology. So they basically don't have to plant the corn to fill in the picture. They can actually just plant corn along the maze wall itself. Mm -hmm. Actually, I guess it probably saves them a little bit of money doing that. Probably. The other thing they talked about is corn maze visitors often like to use the technology. So they use GPS to build the maze picture and to implement it. But guests there want to use like an app and connect it to the maze picture to help them get around. So places that offer the mazes, uh, corn mazes, are now starting to offer apps that include kind of a picture and a location of where you are in the maze. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it kind of helps you work through that. So that's smart. Right. It's it's kind of like, okay, a little cheaty because you're supposed to have to get there yourself. But Mm -hmm. really a great idea because how many of us really do want to be trapped in that corn maze? Well, and and, it's fun. And really, like, you could even go a step further. And instead of just the picture, you can even include the clues at each stop. That's right. Right? So you could really make this like yeah. a game, like a, right. almost like a real life board game, but you're actually in the maze with these clues. Yep. And on your phone. On your phone. And that's another way to get people to kind of realize or appreciate these designs. Because I didn't really, I have never really thought about how much work or art, you know, was placed into these designs and these corn mazes. And I really, I've never even looked up, you know, corn maze designs, right? right? I have no idea what the corn maze I'm in, what its design is, right? or how, you know, and any of that. So that would be another way to have guests realize that, oh, wow, you know, there's a whole design to this. This is yeah. really cool. Yeah, and I like that idea of if you can connect the, the game app system mm-hmm. together with the, maze, the physical maze, right? Yeah. You're solving clues to help you figure, do I go left or right? Right. right? Those kind of things. That, that would be really fun to do, too. Yeah. That's a great way to market to the next generation. I think the thing I liked about the idea of the GPS where I am in the maze mm-hmm. is not the cheating part. It's the sometimes I won't go into a maze because I don't have time. I Right, sometimes yeah. you're like, well, I yeah. only have half an hour. I don't want to get mm-hmm. lost in there. Right. But if I, if I had a way out, right. yeah, then yeah. I'd be happy to try to get out yeah. In, yeah. The, in the time I have. But right. I don't want to spend three hours in the maze. Right. See, right. I, I think it would just be fun to use a GPS. Like, I don't, I'm not, you know, I said it's a little cheaty, but I mean. You're all for the cheaty. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a fun stroll through a cornfield kind of thing. Yeah, I'm okay with just yeah. finding uh, the way out, but it would be fun to have the clues and yeah. Um, I just think like when we, we were young and our kids were young, mm-hmm. if we had the app that showed me where I was, yeah, and I'm letting my kids choose left and right, yeah. and then as time's wearing on, I think, okay, I'm going to help them choose, right, yeah. right, without them really knowing, yeah, right, and then you kind of like guide them the, the direction you want so you can move on to the next thing. Yeah. That would be yeah. very helpful. And they said basically. Um, the people that have gone to those mazes where you have the choice. Some people choose to, to have that on and some don't. You know, they'd rather yeah. just try to. Yeah. So it's kind of your choice as to which way you want to go there. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, but lots of fun. Lots of fun for the fall. Absolutely. With our fun apple cider, both <laughs> the fermented and non-fermented. With our <laughs> fun, cute, trendy coffee shops and with our corn mazes with our high-tech corn mazes (laughs) yes so we hope you can find some fun fall things to do soon in your uh, family life as always we end our podcast with future festivities so for this is for the week of september 2nd 
September 2nd is Labor Day. September 3rd is Skyscraper Day. Wow. September 4th is Eat an Extra Dessert Day. <laughs> September 5th is Be Late for Something Day. Hmm. That's Beth's favorite day. That's every day for Beth. <laughs> September 6th is Read a Book Day. September 7th is National Salami Day. It is also Beth's birthday. So my birthday is National Salami yes. Day. <laughs> yeah. Now I don't know if if I wish it's it was always the extra dessert day. <laughs> no. I don't know if it's always National Salami Day or if it just happens to coincide with that day oh, okay. this year. And then September 8th is National Pet Memorial Day. As always, you can find us on social media. At Twitter, you can find us at holiday underscore moons. On Instagram, at holiday moons. On Facebook, you can find us by searching holiday moons, all one word. You can contact us at any time at holidaymoons at gmail.com. So for Beth, Sydney, and Randy, happy, happy fall! fall.